We don't need another hero. <laughs> Chris, just, you should laugh when you're trying to do an intro, bro. That's right. <laughs> Is that from the movie? Is that the Tina Turner song? God, Chris. I remember. I did not. I just made that voice crack. Chris, you all right? What? <laughs> You okay there? <laughs> we okay? don't need another hero. You okay, oh. buddy? Oh God! Do you need a, do you need a break? Oh, shut up. Do you, do you need? Uh, do, you, do you need a need a special event? Oh, shut up. Okay. Uh. Oh God. Hey everybody, welcome to the Master Movie Podcast. I don't normally do that. Um, you should. No, I should not. Um, it's great. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> talk about the freaking news. <laughs> you, you, you okay there? You okay there? Go, go. I want to talk about Wonder Woman. All right. So, so we'll start with the the least most important thing here, since oh. Chris wants me to rush through it. Uh. It was announced that Jensen Ackles of Supernatural fame is joining The Boys Season 3. Uh, yeah, he's uh, really good, and I'm glad he's going to be on a good show. I could hear Matt cheering from here. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, I never watched Supernatural myself, religiously, but um, I do like him, and I have seen him and stuff. And I like him in. And uh, Boys is a good show. Yeah, that's what I, I, I've been told by Alex many, many a times. Mom uh, loves uh, Supernatural. Yes. Uh, Chris, you'll be interested in this, but we're going to talk about some more important things later. Uh, Chloe Bennett is joining the MCU. For, officially. As Sky, Daisy, or Quake. It's got to be one. You can't, you can't have all three. All three. Well, they're all the same character because it's going to be our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. character. Jury's out. Jury, no, it's confirmed. She she officially said she's going to be part no, of it. No, I said the jury's out on the fact that it's all three of them are the same person. They are the same person. Sky is. I'm Dick not. Johnson I'm not, not confirmed. Okay, Chris. Anyways, not, Chloe Bennett, who who's best, who did a bunch of random music back in the early uh, early two thousands, and was the lead on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for about seven years, is officially joining the MCU as Daisy Johnson, a.k.a. Quake, playing... Uh, uh, they they say her character is basically going to be replacing Colby Smulders' character. Ah, wait, cite your source. Uh, comicbooks.com. Uh, 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 yeah, because I guess Colby Smulders is probably they they say is very likely leaving, and they're gonna start phasing her character out in favor of a character who can kind of play with the big boys, as they say, or they 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 joke is that a character who can compete on the level of the Avengers, but can still remain a a shield type character in the area of sword. They she's gonna formally introduce sword into the MCU, basically. It's a big uh, phallic shape, the whole thing. 
I think it's fine. I think Chloe Bennett. Comicbooks.com, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Are you sure it's not comicbookresources.com? I maybe. Because that says Agents of Shields Chloe Bennett would return as Quake, but hasn't been asked yet. Da da da. I don't know. Calling you out. Sure, call uh, me. Put him up. I don't. I'll fight you with one paw behind my back. Sure, Chris. One paw with one foot. You 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 got me one time. Well. I guess we can all agree that it would be interesting if an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. character went up, but of course it also is exactly what everyone on a non-MCU kind of MCU thing is going to be like, yeah, you know, if they asked me, of course I'd do it. Yeah. I think Chloe Bennett is young enough as an actress, and she's talented enough to be able to compete off some of those big names, and it's a it's a fun nod to to the character who has a large role in the comics and would be i think a lot of fun i think she's better than colby smolders i think colby smolders is kind of mediocre but <laughs> i disagree i love stuff um i would say i think it would be interesting for her to have basically if she joined the mcu and played with the big boys as they say. um uh, i would say it would be cool to have your own series pretty much agents of shields would pretty much be the prequel series for her and that would be that would be like it would just happen immediately with that decision. It'd be awesome. Yeah, it would create an entire backstory where you get to find out that character's origin without having to worry about having to introduce the character because you have an entire show's fan base to say, "Here's this character, and this is why this character is important." It would give more money to people who have to watch it. Yeah, which is exactly what Marvel would do. I don't think they're going to. Yeah, we'll see. They got they got a large repertoire of people. They do, but I don't think that's their plan right now. I mean, a lot of people also say the other actress who might make it in is uh, Ming-Wa Tay, I think? Ming-Na Wen. Ming-Na Wen. She's uh, Mulan! Well, yes, but she's also... She's the only one that matters right now. No, it's not. She's May in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That's huge. She's part of the MCU official. No, I'm saying the only Mulan that matters. Oh, sure. Whatever. Gotcha. Well, I would say so if it's a big hit and people really love her in it, she has a chance then. But um, that's that would be the, that was the thing. If anyone was elevated that was in the MCU before, they'll bring them back up. Like Martin Starr. Martin Starr shows up as like a small thing in The Incredible Hulk, and then years later, after being in comedy, he's all of a sudden the teacher in the uh, Spider-Man movies, and he's officially the teacher who went to that, who went to college. And then became the teacher in a New York school. Like he moved, like the MCU has officially officially done it. So like, yeah, if someone gets more famous after being on Agents of Shield, the MCU could easily bring them back just for the hell of it. Ming Na Wen, I think, is the other major actress from that show who could make it forward. Uh, just because she already had a name for herself prior to the MCU, because she did Mulan, and uh, she. Has recent and she is a Disney legend. She she made it in. She also was is going to be a cast member in The Mandalorian. Nice. I gotta say, I like all the Disney the recent live remake Disney princesses, all the actresses. But I uh, I haven't officially liked all the movies. Sure. But I think Lily James, the the girl who played the woman who played at uh, Jasmine in Aladdin, and uh, and if I do like May in Agents of Shield, so. I think she's going to be good at Mulan. She looks good in the trailer. 
yeah so i'm i'm excited um so i so now let's get to the thing chris wants to talk about but wonder woman hold on chris we're gonna save some of that we're gonna talk about the smaller things from dc fandom before we get to the big i talk about gotham knights uh not just gotham knights uh even know about that until i told him yeah i knew about gotham knights Dude, I work in the video game industry. You think I don't know about Gotham Knights? I don't, I don't think, think he keeps an eye on his competitors in a completely different genre. Yes, we literally have a communication channel all about video game announcements. It literally blew up at like 11 a.m. when Gotham Knights got announced. Hmm. Anyway. Suicide Squad. Uh, so Gotham Knights is a... What people believe is a sequel to the Arkham series, which it's not, by the way. That was confirmed. Okay. Um, but uh, it's it's made by it's made by the same team who made Arkham Knight and Arkham Origins, um, and it looks interesting. I'm intrigued to see hey. what. We... Hey, Alex. Yeah. They're Batman video games. I know them. Yeah. I've, okay, I've, just making sure. I have them. Yeah. Uh, I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, well, <laughs> well the Arkham, I, I, I'm well timed burp. I'm actually not surprised that, that Alex knows about them because the Arkham games are like some of the best video games of all time. I'm a huge fan of the aesthetic of Gotham the City. So, yes. like, while Batman is not the reason I watch Batman movies, it's usually Gotham. So, like, the show Gotham, for example, I like. I, I liked some seasons more than other, not just for the Joker stuff, but also because I just liked um, the, the, what they did with the city. I like the early Tim Burton ones and their kind of art deco style. I love the way it is in the animation. And I really liked the video games and how they portrayed Gotham. They're like, it's just a dirty, disgusting, filthy place. I love it. Um, and yeah, I just, I like the, the aesthetic of Gotham more than anything else. Yeah. Um... So, uh, yeah, they, they did that. Um, DC Fandom, I think, also uh, talked a little bit about Shazam 2, which I'm very excited about. Uh, I loved the first one. I thought it was super-duper fun. And I really am excited about the sequel, and I love that Zach, Zach uh, Levi is getting to come back, and he's going to have a lot of fun with it, and they're going to continue to do cool stuff. Yeah, he's really great. That movie's great. Um, want to see more? I like yeah. where DC's going. Yeah. Uh, speaking of where DC's going, uh, we got our first real look at Suicide Squad. James Gunn. Yes. Squad. Yes. Uh, yes. Looks great. Hit I'm me really up with that James Gunn baby. I what? love what I'm seeing there. It looks really I cool. Um, it, it looks house right now from the tree, and he is dancing around in his underwear. It's crazy. I I love. <laughs> I have no the, idea how accurate that is. <laughs> it really looks. Don't be that James Gunn, baby. Sorry, it, sorry, Zach. It really looks like everyone's having just a great time on set, and yeah. I like what I'm seeing. I think that everyone's just having a good time, and I I'm excited to see more. I. I like where this is going so far. I like that's kind of a soft reboot while still a sequel. Um, it into my veins. John Cena looks really cool in it. I think there's a lot of other characters that just look ridiculous but great at the same time. 
Um, People did complain that there were too many characters. That's okay, to though. To which I laugh. But, but like, James Gunn's really good at balancing a lot of characters, named characters. This is, like, three times the size of Guardians of the Galaxy, though. Well, not really, I, because when you really think about the named characters in Guardians, there's there's the six Guardians themselves. There's Ronan. Uh, there's Nebula. There's Thanos. There's... Nice. There's um the two the three Nova people that we saw a lot. Three? No. Three, yeah. yes. Yeah, well, One, there's two, the head three. and then there's the guy. Twelve. Um, yeah, well, twelve characters is a lot, dude. That's still half of what is actually. Oh, no, Suicide Squad yes. doesn't that many names. I characters. think it depends on what the story is. Like if here's the thing about the last movie, like a huge chunk of the movie is introducing characters and they didn't have a lot of characters because they kept repeating the introductions and the story in and of itself is just, they go to the city, they beat up some putty people, they stop a giant monster and then a witch. And then they pick up their boss and take her on a few rides. Uh, one of their boyfriends is kind of a dick about it though. Uh, that's the movie. Like there's not much going on and they still muck it up. We I, really I need they, to do the DCU. Uh, oh man, I can't wait. Uh, I'm this, this, um, I, I, we were talking, yeah, I, I'm, this, this whole thing uh, that they put on this weekend is really, uh, getting me excited for what they can do. There's a few places that I'm skeptical about, but not many, because a lot of these are just carry on of what they've already done that I like. I, I like Wonder Woman. I like Shazam. I like Aquaman. And I think those movies can get more interesting and fun. And The Flash is the one thing I'm the most interested in as a superhero, but the movie may just be way more interesting than he is regardless, so who cares? Uh, so they're heading in a direction I like. But this, when I look at the Suicide Squad, I agree. I, I, everyone looks like they're having a good time. Uh, all the visuals seem really fun. And uh, yes, there is a lot of characters, but my hope is that the story um, allows for some people to die. I want, I want like, the, like in the last movie, there's the guy who climbed the wall, the guy who like tied knots or something, or climbed yeah. the wall. Not, never yeah. forget. He, he's head explodes. I want more of that. I want more like people going in and out. I want, the, I want there to be a lot of characters because they die. He's used to make movies like that. He used to make more violent movies where people could like die at any minute. DC with an R-rated superhero movie is going to give him some. It's gonna give him some, you know, juice. Like he, he made the belt. He wrote the Belko experiment. Like this guy knows how to kill people. I'm not people gonna off. lie. That's what I'm at the for. end of it all. The only two people I wanted to make out is Idris Elba and Margot Robbie. Truthfully, Ma you mean like make out? No, make it out. <laughs> <the> movie, <laughs> all right. Um, I no, I want to see Captain. I want to see. Wouldn't it be great? If the Captain Boomerang was like elevated even more so, he had some oh, good. Oh sure, yeah, 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 yeah. I guess you're right. I would love it like, if that guy, that yeah, actor, yeah, like Captain Captain Boomerang, yeah, like yeah, ca let Captain Boomerang uh, make it through. Like if those three make it through and everyone else dies, I'm happy. Truthfully, um, I just want there, I just want there to be some idiots that go. You know, like I think John Cena's in it and he wears a weird outfit. It'd be awesome. Peacemaker or Peacekeeper, whichever one. Dude, let's be honest. Nathan Fillion's gonna fucking die. I would not be surprised. Um, I'm excited because I like James Gunn movies, but I'm also excited because it from that behind the scenes, it looked like they were having fun. Yes. Um, but yeah, I like the direction of where the DC is going. 
BCEA is dying. So, to continue talking about the DCEU, the second biggest thing that happened. Wonder Woman! Wonder Woman 1984, we got our first yes! good look at uh, at Cheetah. And yes! a big deal. It looks great. Oh my god, I'm going to OD. I am very happy with what I've seen. It looks really good. Uh, I have full faith in Patty Jenkins to make this as fun as the first and better. It does look like a lot of fun. Um, it's the last trailer was almost like uh, something's happening with the world with Diego Luna and my boyfriend's back, and I gotta show him the future. And so I was like, <laughs> hey, "This is fun." And, uh, and uh, I was like, "Okay, this is all right." But this trailer really like topped up the action and showed what the scenes are gonna look like, and also again how colorful it looks. One of my favorite things about the DCEU in general, and I'm happy about it, is Zack Snyder's approach to action and how all these films have sort of guarded it to their own taste. Like, if it wasn't for the, the... Regardless of whether it was right for the character or not, if it wasn't for the action in Man of Steel in the small town and the fight at the end, you wouldn't have the bombastic insanity that is Aquaman. And Aquaman is just batshit insane. So, like... I love that every one of these films has their own style of that. Looking at the teaser for Black Adam with The Rock, it's like that the, the length that they want to produce, like make this, it's like a, the world that they want to build is insane. And I'm happy, I'm happy that it like is an approach that could only have existed in the world that Zack Snyder created. So, um, ah, breaking, breaking. Look, I'm, I'm like, yeah, even Cheetah, those fight scenes look great. Breaking yeah, I mean, Batman trailer! Oh my god! Hold on, Chris. We'll get Wait, to it. I'm watching it right now. Shut up. Calm, calm down, Batman Chris. Too? Yeah, it looks like it just came out. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I'm checking. I'm checking out this Black Adam teaser first, though. I love how we're doing this on air, but like we had <laughs> we had a tough day, folks. But but yeah, I I like where what we're seeing here. It looks cool. I'm very excited with what we what we have coming. Um, and yeah, dude, like, oh yeah. Oh wait, no, that's the wrong one. Oh god. This what? is there. there. We go. Um. So, so, before Chris gets even more distracted, uh, let's talk about the cut in the room. Hmm. The, the the proverbial Snyder Cut trailer we officially got. Snyder Cut. Um, I... The trailer really... It, it looks like a better film for the sheer fact that it's a singular vision. I don't like smashing Josh Whedon with Zack Snyder. Never have. And I'm glad Zack Snyder gets to finish his vision. There's a look to this whole world that he brought to the table that I'll always appreciate now. Um, his It doesn't mean I'm going to like it. it <laughs> if anything, it means I'm not going to like it at all. But uh, <laughs> especially if there's a lot of it. But I'm, maybe he'll step it up. Maybe the story, maybe he needs long-form storytelling. Maybe what we need is like legit miniseries by um, Zack Snyder. But he just needs more time for his stories. I don't know. But, um, I'm interested. Uh, I, I, but I don't, I don't, I still don't know. I just still don't want to like it. Um, 
I don't think much of the story is going to change. We're just going to get more elements and more fleshed out stories. I'm looking forward to seeing more of Cyborg, and I'm looking forward to seeing more Flash. But I'm not looking forward to their approach with um, Superman. I liked I liked Whedon's like blue suit wearing smiling Superman. I was a fan. So yeah, uh, and I'm and yes, I am watching the Batman. Ah! Show. Chris! This thing yep. looks this thing looks badass. Oh my yeah. god, Matt Reeves. Badass. Oh my god. Oof. Chris, we gotta get you to sit down and watch the Matt Reeves uh playing playing the Apex. I've seen them, so suck it. Uh, <laughs> well good because your like deep, your voice sounds like, deep this time, and so when you said that it was awesome. This, this looks great, dude. I'm excited. <laughs> I Oh my god. I have Complete faith in Robert Pattinson, seeing what I'm seeing here. Yeah, dude, I always thought he'd be good, man. I can't believe. Well, I never, I never didn't have faith. I was more concerned. I'm not saying you are. There are people in my life that were like, I don't know, and I'm like, guys, man. I love that. I love. I love that Riddler is the villain. I love that. I spoiler alert. Um, I like that. I like the design. I like the Art Deco that I am seeing here. I love the darkness. I I love. Yeah, this Gotham looks great. I love the the like Joker gang that they kind of got going there. That looks really interesting. I I love everything about what I'm seeing here, um, and I want more. I I want so much more from this. Apparently, and, they're going to make a Gotham show based off of whatever they set up in this movie. So, I am very ex- excited about this movie. This movie looks really cool. Um. I know that they said this is going to be kind of a one-off deal. They're not really going to do much more with this. Kind of in the same vein of Joker is this is just a one-off Matt Reeves Batman movie. Uh, I'm very... Yes, this is a one-off deal. Well, then I... Then I... Yeah, like, yeah. I would love the source of that because I got to be honest. Let me rephrase. Let me rephrase. It's... It's separate from the DCEU. It's in its own little world. If they do sequels, it's going to be its own deal. Okay, th- Okay. now that's different. Like, that's the thing. I expected that. I don't think... Now that they're bringing... Well, they are bringing other Batmans in, so the possibility of him doing coming in here is a possibility. I don't think so, but I think they if they're going to make a Gotham City police show on HBO Max, I think they're going to try and make another Batman. And also, yeah, dude, I like the look of this Batman, dude. This is—I like, was—I'm not gonna lie, I was not—I was not, I, I, I was not honest, initially like, sold on that suit. Yeah, I had to see it. I had to see it in. I had to see it in context. When we first saw our first, when we saw our first image of it, I one at a time. Sorry, really, you Chris? were the skeptical one, Chris. Yeah, Mister Mister Screaming when we're talking about our shit. <laughs> Sorry, I'm saying he's, when I see Batman he's trailer, I jump. Uh, I'm saying uh, I was gonna say that Chris, I believe you were the one who's skeptical of Pattinson too, right? I, w- I was in fact skeptical because I had not seen anything besides his involvement with Twilight. But uh, then I, I saw know. a few. I saw a few clips of the lighthouse. I'm like, okay, yeah, all right. He's he's our Bruce Wayne now. He dude, that last look is crazy, man. He looks like a Tim Burton character, dude. I I. Firmly, obviously, I've always been in favor of this. I love what I see here. I like everything about this. I, I, I really, 
I was a little skeptical of his build, just because Robert Pattinson's kind of got a very skinny build, and most Batman kind of bulk up, and he was he was kind of in the news about how he didn't want to bulk up and all this. Um, but looking at what I'm seeing now, I'm fine with it. He looks good, nonetheless. Irregardless of the fact that he looks kind of skinny, kind of like he needs to eat a chicken or two. Yeah, he's supposed to have been trained by ninjas. So, like, when people are like, he's supposed to be big, I'm like, yeah, but he's also supposed to be, like, a ninja. And, like, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger as a ninja never worked. In my no, opinion. but I think Ben Affleck had the right build, truthfully. I, I think Ben Affleck um, is a great Batman. I he, uh, he looks like the build of a Zack Snyder Batman, a guy who does, like, who, like... Like no, that's a Zack Snyder Batman for sure. He climbs the walls like an animal and is also like incredibly bulky. Um, and I have no problem with that; it fits in that look. But even uh, even I, Christian I Bale, though, I think like Christian Batman. Bale looked fine as a Batman too. Uh, agreed. Yeah, that's the thing. Like his suit was never; he was never a huge bulky dude. He he was muscular, sure, but he never bulked up because they applied the ninja aspect. He was yeah. supposed to disappear and leave very quickly. But uh, yeah, I, I like a lot of what I'm seeing. I think this, he doesn't look as bad as I thought he would look, which is good. Um, and now that I, I, I can see him and I can watch it, I'm very impressed with what I'm seeing. I'm not seeing Robert Pattinson. God! Swin. He, I, I like what I'm seeing. Yeah, I like the look of this. It's very film noir or neo noir and I like this Gotham a lot. And I like Pattons in his Batman. I like this dude. I like everything. I like this whole vibe. And I'm just watching it on mute, so I haven't even heard anything from it yet. Um, that and too. The, the bad guy is going to be interesting too. Yeah, this looks great. Like, yeah, I'm I'm excited for what the DC um, what DC is doing right now, both in their EU and off on the side. So good for them. Uh, Marvel has had their plans stewing for a while now, and that's all they're doing. So, like, they're the kings of this, and they just can't release them. They've just got a back catalog shit right now, so they're fine. Um, I, 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 it's just who's gonna get there first, I guess. DC, yeah. DCU wait was waiting for the MCU to get this done to come back and fix things. Um, and Justice League is just an extra cherry on top of that, I think. All of this is what I'm looking forward to. Everything that is like Zack Snyder less, but is built off of what he made, I'm excited for. But the Justice, Justice League cut, I'm excited for him. You know, I'm, I'm happy for him. He gets to finish his vision. And uh, if they come up with anything out of that um, investigation with Whedon and the two other guys, that bad stuff happened on set and, you know, actual problems occurred that people are liable for, then good. Good, but um, just I, I totally sabotage Zack Snyder. Yeah, I'm very happy with what I'm seeing here. I think, like, I, you know what, I do have, I do want to have one complaint. I, I, you know what, because because I gotta play devil's advocate here. I do have one complaint about the look of what I'm seeing here. Uh-huh. I'm not as wild about what the, it looks like they're doing with Catwoman. Um, that may just. Uh-huh. That may just be her like her first outing because this looks like it's Zoe Kravitz, right? If I remember correctly. Yes, it is. Um, yes. Zoe Kravitz. Um, I uh, she. Ah oh, man, they canceled her show on Hulu. Um, High Fidelity. I'm so sad. Uh, I she um, 
Uh, she's in Mad Max Fury Road. Um, yeah. She, I'm guessing, is on her first outing, and that's just the mask that she is makeshift in that thing. My guess is by the end of the movie, she probably gets her own feel, her own like suit and everything. She looked like she looked like, like Halle Berry's Catwoman. Um, okay. yes, but like I also didn't mind how how it's very paid. Honest to God, she looks more like a like a really like rough version of the Tim Burton Catwoman, which I didn't like that design at all. I like that design. I grew up on it. I'm a fan. Um, I like all the Catwoman. Uh, I don't think how I think Halle Berry is not bad in Catwoman, and I don't think her Catwoman is bad. I think her outfit is uh, crazy. It's just a terrible cat fighting uh, crime fighting outfit, and the movie is insane. Uh, but she is 110 percent committed to what she does in that movie and that character. So I never had a problem with it. And I like um, Anne Hathaway too. So I, I've never had a problem with the ideas of Catwoman. But I would honestly say that that probably isn't going to continue to be her mask. It's probably just maybe she's been using it for a while and she sees him and is like, I need to step up my costume game. And she does. Maybe. My guess is that that's the thing. Like the, the whole point of Bruce is that he becomes Batman to fight crime in Gotham. My guess is that like crime in Gotham steps it up like the Joker does in the Dark Knight when Batman starts to come in and beat the crap out of people. By the way, Pattinson beat the crap out of that guy. Uh, yeah, like a Daredevil style. Yeah. Whale on the guy. Heavy influence on this, for sure. A lot of Daredevil influence. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I'm really excited with what I'm seeing here. I DC fandom has very much impressed me with what I've seen, and I am very excited. To get my thoughts on the Snyder Cut, it looks insane, objectively. What what do you mean by objectively insane? Like, um, we get Cyborg's dad getting Dr. Manhattan'd. Um, That's a good way of putting it, yeah. There's a lot of stuff from the official release of Justice League that I recognize here. So I'm thinking it's all going to end in the same place. Yeah, I think the story um, as a blueprint seems to be going that way for sure. Now I'm like morbidly curious. Honestly. I th- I'm excited to see um, the the movie look consistent. That's the thing that just never felt that way. For but me. here's the thing: it's going to be broken into four parts, and I can I can cite my source there. Four or five? Four. Okay. I will cite. I will happily cite my source. I, for I that don't one. care personally. Well, I, just... I. I mean, I am interested. Seeing it now and seeing how excited everybody is, seeing like Affleck come back and seeing what the DC is doing, but also seeing Warner Brothers not excited about this Justice League coming out necessarily, they're kind of they're kind of pissed off about it a little because he's rubbing it in their faces. Um, so that's interesting to me. This I I know it's all spitefulness and that is pretty like a bad thing to watch it like it's a reality show, but it kind of is. But like all the actors are coming back. <laughs> But they're excited about what this may be. But I'm excited to watch something that looks consistent. Like when I watch Batman v Superman, I'm watching Batman v Superman. And I love to look at that movie 
but it's also a bad movie. Like, I, I don't, I'm coming to terms with what I enjoy about him, and I'm happy that he is out there and excited that he has made some of these visuals. Um, and I'm, uh, I'm starting to be okay with that. But I will never be okay with what he says in his movies, and I'm probably never going to be okay with how he says them. Um, but they look pretty, you know. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a hot girl that you had a crush on until she opened her mouth, and you're like, ah, oh, you're a bad person. <laughs> yeah. Um, Alex, this is up your alley. One more thing about uh the Batman. Um, so apparently from a tweet from. At AMC Theaters, from the, with the hashtag DC Fandom, uh, it says Matt Reeves shares that hashtag the Batman most by Chinatown and other seventies noirs. Oh, I'm excited! And yeah, as I'm looking at it, it has that like neo noir vibe about it. Absolutely. Um, and that's the thing that I've never seen in the films ever portrayed about Batman that I've always heard about Batman. He's the world's greatest detective. And whenever I look at the comics, they're always like Batman going around to other people and like asking a question about a mystery. Like he's a detective. That's what this movie was always touted to be. Just Batman going around trying to solve a mystery and you get to explore Gotham and its villains as he does it. And uh, I'm excited about that. So, and, and yeah, Matt Reeves makes great movies. I'm always excited about him. Um, I think he understands uh, people losing themselves to find or achieve something for the greater good, only to just understand that absolute power corrupts absolutely um, in excellent ways. Uh, that's a very film noir thing to do, watching your hero tragically um, be uh, engulfed and turned uh, and have his morals corrupt by what he believes in. It's interesting. Um, uh, but Batman, for me, like, I've never seen him portrayed as a detective, probably maybe in the TV show, and I just don't remember. But this is looks like a good opportunity for that. I'm not the biggest fan of Chinatown. Um, I feel like I need to go back to it. I've had a reason not to go back to Polanski for a long time. but And I've also just never really uh responded to him the way that everybody else seems to have but that is the one that i want to go back to the most as a film noir fan but um i there are very good film noirs of the 70s that came out because of that movie and there was a lot of good neo-noirs that this is reminding me of also but again like i love the look of Gotham more than anything i love this look of batman i love this like skinny frail um Bruce Wayne that looks like an emo rich kid, but then on on like out in the street, like that costume looks badass, and he's beating the crap out of people angrily. He's got the passion that I saw in uh, um, the Safety Brothers movie, which Good is time. just intensity. I'm sorry. Good time. Yeah, um, just straight up intensity. Like he's he's nonstop. I need to get this thing done. If I don't, time is running out, and that like just uh, desperation get desperation right um and i'm interested to see like batman trying to solve this mystery and like going to the lengths that he you know pushes himself to get it done so it looks fun i like it uh not fun not like cheesy uh mcu fun this looks badass um and yeah i'm excited 
It looks great. Out of all the things, that's the thing I'm the most excited about. No wonder they waited until 8.30 at night to put it out. Can't wait. Can't wait. And I am excited for Wonder Woman. Get to my veins. Let, let's, let's talk about Thunderdome. Two things before we do. Okay. Number one, mm. we missed a piece of news. Which, which actually, actually, you know what? It's not really news, though. What? Kathleen Kennedy has said that Lucasfilm is taking a step back from Star Wars to explore its options. Oh, sure. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> what, else is yeah. what else is new? Right. No, he's a Star Wars fan. That's important. How do you feel about that, Chris? Uh, I feel like that's what they've been doing. Um, <laughs> that, uh, that, that is also what you asked for. Yeah, but now i got to wait another five years before people are like... Before they release another movie, so that's the thing. I I think the thing about these movies that that is the problem with J.J. Abrams also is that J.J. Abrams cannot he doesn't make good endings, so he can't really commit to anything. And time is not kind to his stories because of it. And what we need right now is time to really sit back and look at what was good about those movies. We can crap on them all we want, but there were things that were good about them. Cherry pick those and start again. Don't I don't want them to dump the universe. I like Last Jedi. I like things about Force Awakens, and there are things about Rise of Skywalker that are just fine too. Um, I, I you can I, I feel bad for everybody who was in it who's walking away and it's just like the fans and all of this just wrecked everything because that's exactly what happened with the last prequels and now people are like I love those movies. Those movies are bad, but okay, I love them and it's like. The, the thing that I wish people would just do with these movies is look at them as movies and critique them as movies, but appreciate the things that are fun about them. And we can't because the fans are just so crazy. It's not like every other series where we can just, you know, be a little bit more forgiving. And they tried it, and I, they just picked the wrong guy to end it on. J.J. Abrams was a fine start, and Ryan, Ryan Johnson was a, um ambitious and forward-thinking continuation and they weren't confident and with what the guy's plan was originally so they picked abrams again and abrams doesn't he doesn't know how to end things so he, he wrecked the ending to nine movies it was a terrible choice and i don't want them to dump it i don't want them to start again just own up to the things that you did by uh building on the things that you did well Maybe t- maybe time will do that, but also I don't. I hope that they're not like if time goes by, those nor these movies, and we can start again. And then like there's a, oh no, now we have two different universes going. No, I don't want that. I want them to just commit. You made your choices. Move on. There's good things in there. You got some ripe tomatoes in that batch, young lady. <laughs> it's extremely hot in this tree today. It, it 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 uh it was very hot today. Um, it's crazy. One more thing, side note, pretty much. So, before we started recording, I was talking to my parents, and they were watching The Wizard of Oz. Um, as oh. we were watching, as we were watching, um, our neighbor, uh, one of our neighbors, uh, grill food in a place where they really shouldn't have been. Um. And <laughs> they said, "Okay, I can't, I can't really like speak, for, I can't really speak for them because I haven't seen one of these." 
They said The Wizard of Oz is a better movie than Gone with the Wind. Mm. Okay. Um, so I wanted to hear your I wanted to hear your guys' thoughts. Because I thought uh, it would be interesting conversation. And you haven't seen either one of these? I've seen The Wizard of Oz. I have not seen Gone with the Wind. Uh um this is like for me the Star Wars argument, which is can you make the argument that the um, execution and the techniques and the technical achievement of Gone with the Wind is m- more, uh, um, it's just better than Wizard of Oz to a certain extent? Yes, I think you can make that argument the same way you can say Empire is a better movie technically than Star Wars. But there's a reason Wizard of Oz is like one of the most m- popular memorable movies of all time it could be watched by anyone it could be reached to anyone it has just as much of an impact visually without necessarily having uh the same sort of ambitions uh in terms of set design scope and scale and story it's not trying to span generations um it doesn't burn down an entire house it's not intended to. It's a soundstage musical. It's about how the charm of, of uh, not Debbie Reynolds, but Judy Garland. And it's about the, the physical comedy of the actors. It's about what they did in a giant warehouse more than anything else. And um, yeah, Gone with the Wind is more of a technical achievement, but like Wizard of Oz, there's something magical about that movie, about the music, about the look, about the moment she opens the door, about when that came out. I think they came out at the same 1929 for Wizard of Oz. 1939. Sorry, 39. 1939 for Wizard of Oz, and I think Gone with the Wind was also 39. Let me check. Pretty sure, yeah. I think that's why. Yep, same year. They were up against each other at the Academy Awards, actually. That's why 1939 is considered one of the greatest movies of one of the greatest years of movies of all time. Um, those are just some examples of it. Like Smith goes to Washington is from that year too. Like Good- Goodbye Mr. Chips. Like that's withering. Like forget about it. Like 1939 is insane. But this is a debate they've been having since then. Um, I again, Gone with the Wind is the technical achievement. Wizard of Oz is both the technical achievement, but also it reaches. It can be. It can reach anyone on any level. It can be watched forever. I think over time, the celebration of the South and Gone with the Wind is losing its taste. It does. It celebrates the South. It's like a sequel to Birth of a Nation a little bit. Um, it doesn't have any sympathy really for the slaves at all, and um, kind of makes it feel like they were okay with what they were going. Like ugh, it's just there are problems with Gone with the Wind. I like watching it. I think it's a good movie, but I think Wizard of Oz. Um, can be reached by anyone isn't necessarily that problematic. Maybe it's a little bit scarier for kids, but it's also beautiful. And the songs are great, and Garland's great, and the look is great. Um, they're both achievements, but just like Star Wars, like it may not be better made, but there's something magical about that movie. There's a reason it reached everyone. There's a reason they made. It, it, there's a reason they took Empire so seriously, and it's because Star Wars was so much fun. Okay. Nice. All right, Thunderdome. <laughs> okay. I was thinking about that today. Like, um, I I think about you. When was the first time you watched the first Star Wars? Oh God, when? I can't remember. It was so early on in my life. Can you, can you estimate? Well, 
Mm, when I was four, maybe? That's the first number that comes to my mind. What What do you think would have gone through your mind if at the same time you watched Road Warrior? I don't think I would have been into Road Warrior, honestly. It's a kid. Really? Yeah. I wasn't big on cars and all that junk. Or well, post-apocalypto. Like, like, well, Road Warrior wasn't about cars until the last sort of end of it. The beginning and the end, but, like, mostly it's about, like, the feral kid and him in that, like, gas station. Sorry, hiccups. <laughs> I stopped him with my mind. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um... I just was wondering that, like, if, like one, you, you respond to Star Wars more than anything else, but, like, there's a lot of, like, look and aesthetic to Star Wars and pacing to it that reminded me of, like, World War, where, like, the end is where things pick up the most and the beginning takes some time. But anyway, uh, we're talking about Thunderdome today. Thunderdome. Mm-hmm. Three men enter. Probably three men going to leave still. We don't need another hero. Mm-hmm. Dying times here. <laughs> We've seen the first Mad Max. Yes. We've seen Mad Max the Road Warrior. I don't think... I feel like Tina Turner just comes out of left field. Like, that's the last what? person I'd expect to be in one of these movies. Why would you say that at all, raggedy man? <laughs> I am rather raggedy right now. I'm sorry, go ahead. What were you saying? I was like Tina Turner just feels like that's the I feel like that's one of the like the last people I'd expect to be in a Mad Max movie. Especially if it's like George Miller's third movie. Like that's the last that's the last thing I'd expect. Um it's eighties. It's the eighties, man. Um there's yeah. a whole like there's a thing about this movie that is one thing. But then there's this whole other thing towards the beginning of the movie where, like, the movie opens with that Tina Turner song, and there's, like, saxophone. There's saxophone within a scene that reminds you of the first movie. But then, like, later they just, like, blare in a sax with, like, people hitting metal. So, like, bram, bram. Did you get, Alex, bram. did you get, fl- sorry, did you get flashbacks to, um, Surfer? And oh, sax hit? Like oh, I did? God. <laughs> oh Jesus! Oh, I, I <laughs> my memory, but you reminded me we have to find that movie. Oh God! <laughs> if you can't go to theaters, they have to put it out there for people to stream, right? Right. You'd think, right? Oh my God! We have to find it. Zach, you have to see that movie. <laughs> well, we, we will do a part two of that movie for Zach for sure. <laughs> Uh, we'd have to we'd have to book a flight for uh for Finland if we want to see it. Oh my! Actually, God. never mind. That was seven days ago. Sorry. Jeez, oh, jeez, no. So it's coming. It's got to be out there somewhere. Anyway, um, uh, so um, how do you want to start? How do you want to start, Chris? Um, explain how George Miller got from Road Warrior to be on Thunderdome, Alex. Okay, so um. I've been go- trying to go back and do and and I listen to the episodes. I'm trying to fix some of the mistakes and stuff that I made along the way. Um, one of the things that I didn't mention and highlight is Byron Kennedy. And I tried to bring him up last episode. Um, 
Iron Kennedy is a big part of the whole creation of Mad Max since day one. In fact, he was the one around 1966 when he was young making short videos with his friends. He made up a video idea for uh, Road Cop about a guy who would be in a cop car go around and you know, catch bad guys. So he met George Miller when they were both in medical school. They banded together, made short films together, and they would work as doctors together, go out in the room, and when they were out there, get stories together. So they were a pair. They worked really, really well together, and they made their company together. And when they were starting to put this movie together, um, Byron Kennedy went out to go uh, scout some locations and died in a helicopter crash. And George Miller was heartbroken, and he didn't want to make this movie. And he was grieving terribly at the time. So this isn't just directed by George Miller. This is actually directed by another guy that he was working on a miniseries with in um, Australia. I want to make sure I get his last name right here. Because um, he also died this year as well. Um, oh, no. I hate that IMDb will take away a page the app when you want to redo it. Um, but he basically Miller just directed the action scenes mostly. And the other guy uh, directed um, let's see, it's George Og Ogilvy. <laughs> George Ogilvy. That's, that's how I read it. Um, and he really, he never made a movie before. He just worked on a couple of movies and shows. And but George Miller really liked him, and he had him come in and do most of most of the talking scenes and most of the setups. George Miller used the same cinematographer from the last movie, and they had a really good working relationship. And they had drawn all the storyboards and look of the film before they did it, um, because they watched Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah, this movie takes a lot from Lawrence of Arabia. It's kind of, it's just. They're out and out saying we're doing Lawrence of Arabia several times. I'm fine with it. I don't care. I, I really don't. Like, feel steal from the best and also just do it. Just flat out go for it. Um, but there's also another thing that they stole. Um, this is, there's a guy who wrote a book called um, Ripley Weaver, I think. Ripley Weaver. And um, he uh, came to George Miller and his writing partner, Terry Hayes, Met him at dinner, told him about his story about a post-apocalyptic land where um, kids have grown up with this like half-broken language and they use like half technology from the past and like live in this world. And and then he never heard from George Miller and Terry Hayes ever again. So that there's that. It's kind of weird. Don't really know where that. I mean. Pretty much, just, I don't know who, whether it was Miller wasn't really committed by that point, or Hayes. Or maybe he just didn't remember, and Hayes is the one who took it later and added it to it. It's no one really knows at this point, but um, it's pretty clear that because the novel got published, he was going to those directors or those filmmakers because he was looking for them to make his book that was already published. So they just kind of went ahead and did it, which is weird. Um, but George Miller was not really committed to this movie. And I was looking at the behind the scenes videos of it. Um, and he's just doesn't want to talk about it. 
he's really just he's kind of his voice is kind of shaky a little bit and trembling like when he's talking about Byron he just isn't he just didn't want to be there really and he was going to be done after this this was going to be the last one Byron was gone that's why it says for Byron at the end of the movie um and he just wasn't really fully committed that's why the movie is it's basically a justice league it's two different directors it's george miller's excellent action work in like the fighting scene where max is like i guess auditioning for Auntie to go to the Thunderdome and do the deal. And then also the train chase, the unbelievable train chase. Um, but I, I don't know about the Thunderdome. I guess the Thunderdome. The Thunderdome was super goofy. Thunderdome. Um, but I guess Miller did that too. Uh, and so, yeah, it's a, it's a wishy-washy tonally movie. And I don't, and the story kind of feels like two different things. And it's kind of all over the place. And it's because Miller wasn't really committed. His friend was gone. And um, everyone was kind of like not really into it. And uh, it would lead to Miller's career being a successful director and other things. And he, he would never think that he would go back to the world again after this. And it was a mild hit. Ah. Critics were hard on it, though. This felt like a sequel to Hook. Yeah, kinda. Yeah, um, so here's a very interesting thing that I didn't mention. Peter Not Pan became a tyrant and dropped a nuke on Neverland. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was gonna say... If Wendy. Neverland was Australia, then you are absolutely correct. Um, this is a very interesting thing, Chris. Um, I'm gonna bring up a video that I found um, last night that was really, really good research for this stuff. I'm going to show you guys uh, at the end of this because I need you guys to watch it before we get to Fury Road. Um, it's really good. It mostly focuses on the writing of these movies, but it has some interesting, interesting research. One of the things that I really loved was that after the first movie, George Miller didn't understand why it was a hit, but it was a big hit. It was such a big hit while they were in the production of Road Warrior. He went and he got to meet... Uh, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, who were fans of his. And he was like, I don't understand. Well, I don't understand why Mad Max was a hit. And George Lucas handed him a book, Joseph Campbell's uh, Guide to the Hero story thing. I don't remember the title, but it was Joseph Campbell's book about heroes and storytelling and myths. And he gave it to George Miller. And like George Miller used it to help write Ward, Road Warrior and would continue to use it to harness and like figure out what Mad Max was. Granted, um, in the second story, it's like you're, it's Yojimbo, basically. It's the man with no name, but also it's his own version of it, which is great. And in the third movie, he kind of stole a little bit of half of it, but it's still a really visually compelling world. Some of it, yes, taken by Lords of Arabia, but then also others would be taken for Fury Road, effectively. Um, and again, Mel Gibson as Mad Max is very compelling. Um, but yeah, George Lucas is the reason that Mad Max is sort of the way it is. Because he introduced George Miller to a form of storytelling that would effectively, he would, he would fully realize and harness by Fury Road. Oh, man, Thunderdome. It's yeah. crazy. Two men enter, one man leaves. 
It's crazy, but God, is it pretty looking. Two men enter. One man leaves. You know the law. Mm-hmm. Um. So the okay. So what did you ultimately think about it, uh, Zach? So I kind of told you a little bit what I thought about it. I thought the plot was crazy, absolutely batshit crazy. But and, and I think like everything about it is is great. But actually, I, I do have one thing, and I think Chris will agree with me the most on this. Is this movie feels like such a rip of well that I shouldn't say it's a rip. Uh, it's it feels very much like the basis of where they Hayao Miyazaki ended up taking Princess Mononoke. Like I don't know that story. still haven't like, seen it. So Princess Mononoke is a very I'm gonna give it in the briefest way without spoiling anything. All right. When has that ever stopped you? I I'm gonna do it because this is a very good movie. Basically, you have your lone, you basically have your lone hero who comes to a town that is powered by a a resource that's run by a woman who is very strong and very headstrong and very warlike. He comes across a kind of a little bit of a con man kind of guy and shenanigans ensue basically um that ends up ending with a fairly interesting chase uh when did um that come out 1997 so it came out about 12 years after this movie oh wow so yeah it's basically thunderdome yeah it is no (laughs) of all the bad maxes i'm not kidding you when we finally like spin that and get to that movie dude it it is the plot of Thunderdome. It is so Ouch. much better. It is so much better than Thunderdome, but like in terms of storytelling wise, but it's just the plot of the Thunderdome, and it's kind of awesome, and um, it's really really fun. And so, the- let me get. What? So I'm trying to get this straight. It's like when I was watching it, I'm like, now it's kind of like settling into my head. So. The pilot guy, the yeah. train man from the Matrix, he steals yeah. Mad Max's camels yeah. that he got from Sala in the Last Crusade. Yes. Uh, he goes. He steals that. Yeah. He steals all that stuff. Him and his son. He takes it to Barter Town. And Max goes into Barter Town and he's like, listen, I'm looking for these guys who stole my camels. But Indy, no camels! I'm sorry. Um, and he threatens the guy and then he goes in and meets Tina Turner, who then tries to kill him, but that's the audition, which I wish all acting auditions were that way. Uh, where you try to kill the actor. Um, Love that. And then they're like, okay, you could do us a favor. Kill the guy who's in charge of all the pig dung in the basement. Not kill and him. Make and him his name so is... that he no longer has his strength. Take away his strength. Yeah. His, their name combined is Master Blaster. Yeah. Yep. That was the and I swear to God if that is not a porn name. ridiculous, and I love it. That is not a porn star name. No, it's not a porn star name. It sounds great, though. Boo! Hilarious. Cannot be. 
dude, low key, it, it's really fun. I, Alex, I, you may I, have a new career. <laughs> I love the name of that. It, it's just great. I'm honest. What? <laughs> he's he's saying I have a new career in porn, and I'm honored. Um, <laughs> Please welcome to the stage, Alex, the Master Blaster. Robles. The brain is not what you think it is in this relationship. See? <laughs> anyway, go ahead, Zach. No, so I, I I absolutely loved the names in this. Master Blaster, the minute that that name came about, I was just like, I'm I'm sold. This this movie's ridiculous. I can't take anything about it seriously, but I'm gonna have such a blast watching it. Here's the thing, it's like we just came off Road Warrior, which is like a super serious and fun movie with uh, with um, Lord Humongous. <laughs> and then you got his twin brother to play what? the muscle for Martin Scorsese, the midget, and what? Chris, Chris, the guy. Okay, listen, Chris. the dwarf. Thank sorry, you. the dwarf. Yes. Use, Master use your, use looks your, like Martin Scorsese. Use your use your words, Chris. We don't we don't we don't hate on people. Um. So uh, the the, ah, funny we. Is, of, of the funny thing is, a lot of people think that Blaster looks like the um, mongoloid uh, guy that the wife runs into in the first movie that scares her before they eventually just chase him. Out. Right. That's where my mind went to. Yeah, he looks like that guy, yeah. Um, <laughs> so the thing about Thunderdome itself, I did not expect bungee cords. Yep. It's that like came out of, that also came out of nowhere. It's like we want wire work, but we're just basically going to show it. <laughs> um, so then back so then Max he finds out it's just some dumb mentally handicapped person and he's like no i'm not gonna kill this guy it's like that wasn't part of the deal and so they just kill him I, anyway i'm not killing a man child um and so exactly then they're like gulag and their definition of gulag is no no, stick- no, no no i'm sorry i'm sorry chris no 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 how do they decide to put him in the gulag? They spun a wheel. Exactly. What do we do on this show to enter our? We spin gulag? one of four wheels. Spin wheels. We spin a wheel if we break the deal. Break the deal. Spin the wheel. Um, uh, all their laws are based off rhyme. It lands on gulag. Um, which will be an option on the uh, bad wheel uh, coming Uh-oh. soon. Um, and their definition of gulag is put a mascot helmet on the guy, put him on a horse, and then say goodbye, and the horse goes as long as it can before it dies of dehydration and sinks into the sands, making me automatically think that it's not Australia, it's actually Jakku. Um, Except why can't they the be track. one and the same? No, it's Australia. They show Australian landmarks at the end of the movie. That's it. Ray is not a Palpatine. She's a Rockatansky. <laughs> Confirm. Book a it. Rock-tansky? Write it. There it is. Anyway. Better. 
Um, uh, so, so Chris, your overall thoughts of this movie? Okay, so were. overall, I'm like, this is now that you explained it to me, I was like, nothing, like hardly anything about this feels like George Miller. I was like, when I saw directors, I'm like, so George Miller needed help. <laughs> Which means, oh no, something went wrong. <laughs> so to go from Road Warrior to this, it's quite jarring because I think it's, I think, like, I joke that it's a sequel to Hook, but honest to God, that's how I was feeling at that point. Oh, Hook I was like, this is a sequel to Hook. No, this came out in 85. This is a... I don't care. <laughs> Hook, is a, Hook is a prequel. Lit. That's the crazier thing. Spielberg was like, I want that. How about, how about um, Joel Schumacher's Lost Boys? How about that? Um, we'll go with that. No, I just agree to disagree. Okay. Um, <laughs> so... Hook is a prequel to uh, Beyond Thunderdome. So, <laughs> and like that whole part, it was just like, this took a shift. Cause like we got like the hard Mad Max that we all are used to, except he looks more like Braveheart, which makes me, this is, this is the Bell Gibson shared universe. Um, <laughs> So he looks like Wallace. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, I did love. I was wondering why he had a black kilt throughout the entire movie. I was wondering why, and now I know. It's weird. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um. So. Like I said, it was hard, gritty Mad Max where he's threatening barkeeps for information. And there's this post-apocalyptic town where nobody's wearing hardly anything. Um, it's like bad. It's like Mad Max is the only fully clothed human on the planet left. Um, until he meets Furiosa. Um, so... And then he gets sent to the gulag. And then he meets the lost and then he meets the lost children. And yep. man, this took a turn. Yeah. I was not I was like, this are we still is this still Mad Max? And then by the end I was like, yeah, it's still Mad Max. Um but this is like all over the board. It's all over the board, but I feel like now that I think about it, it's kind of like the reveal of the children kind of reminds me of like the Ewoks in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, a yep. little bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, man. It was like, and it's like really weird. It's like, you got this. Also, we got to talk about Mad Max. Decking a fifteen-year-old girl. 
I think they, she was at least 16. I think that they went from, like, babies to 16-year-olds. Um, but uh, also, yeah, she was going to kill some kids. And she did kill a kid. He may have punched her in the face and tied her up. But, uh, and, you know, fetishists out there, you know, great. But, like, she also killed a kid. She got a kid murdered. He told her, don't go out there. Eaten by the sinking fields. Um, yeah. That was I'll pretty gruesome. I would have, I was like, that's pretty gruesome, don't you think? Uh, Lawrence of Arabia. I was about to say, then I had to remember, oh, right, this is a Mad Max movie. Um, I mean, yeah, I thought it was, I didn't think they would have gone ahead and done it, but then I saw how low he was, and I was like, nah, he's dead. Yeah, like, you'd think that'd be, like, surprising. But then you're like, wait a minute. Like, no, no, like, they take a lot from Lawrence. Like, it's a lot, man. They take plenty of shots it's not it's not like the music by the way we've hated the music in the last two movies what did you think of the music this time uh better but still not that great same music same composer as lawrence of arabia makes a lot of sense have you ever seen lawrence nope you uh, lawrence i think you might end up liking more than this but it is also four hours long uh <laughs> It's Born Arabia is named Lawrence. He's not you. It's a long story. Anyway, I'm I, a millennial. <laughs> um, we will get to it one day. We'll put it on the list one day. Um, but the it, it's a beautiful movie shot in the desert. This movie has one shot that I don't think is in Lawrence, and that's when the young kid greets the girl when she comes with the body of. Mad Max and the clouds are over the desert and it's just gorgeous. That's such a beautiful shot to me. It's just gorgeous. Um, the, but most of the desert shots are basically straight rip-offs of Lawrence, like straight up. I just found out like that the bike scene where Goose dies is basically a rip-off of the moment at the beginning of Lawrence when you see Lawrence die. The, by the way, the beginning of Lawrence of Arabia begins with the death of Lawrence of Arabia. So does uh, Citizen Kane um, with the death of the Lawrence of Arabia. Um, <laughs> Good one. Um, but like, yeah, just wow. It's, oh, man. And then the, then there was the henchman who was basically um, the coyote from Roadrunner. <laughs> yeah. Which I thought was that's insane to put that in there after like the we've seen that exact same crash where he gets stuck to the front of the to the he gets stuck to the front of the rig he's just covered in like he's just like covered in like uh grime and that has killed men twice his size exactly like but you got to admit when he's on the front of that train it's pretty awesome it was pretty funny. Um, when he's when he's uh, has to move his body above the railings, actually a stuntman having to miss the railings like it's a Buster Keaton movie. Forget about it. When the guy when the guy when the guy with all the face paint jumps onto another car, kills the drive, knocks out the driver, and drives the car in front of the train, and then does it all with his like like bent over with his ass facing the road, like. 
it, it's all real people doing it. Like, I completely forgot how amazing this train scene was until I sat back, sat back and gave it to this time. Last time I was pretty harsh on it. This time I'm like, nope, George Miller pretty nailed, pretty much nailed it. This is pretty awesome. Once again, proving Australians are crazy at car action. Um, vehicular action. Thanks to Miller. Thanks to and Miller. Byron Kennedy. And Byron Kennedy. God rest his soul. Um, but anyway, overall, just fine, I guess. Yeah, it's just you, fine. But how do you think it looks? I think this movie is genuinely beautiful like Zach. I think this movie is gorgeous. I, I didn't realize how gorgeous, gorgeous it was until really, really late. I think that this movie looks like it could have been shot last year and released this year. Uh, nope, you can't disagree with me, Chris. Uh, yes, you can. No. But I, I would say I'm an I American. Would, I could darn right I can disagree with you if I wanted to. I, I do think Zach, you have a good point. There are shots in here that look like Fury Road. The light coming through certain areas. The fans. Oh God, no! This looks like Fury Road when he goes to the Barter Town in the first place. And then when they he takes him, just when he's there talking to the guy at the entrance, and then when he takes mm-hmm. him to actual outside Barter Town and they get in that escalator, that looks like the light coming from it, the lens flare, that looks like all like Fury Road. Like, it has that look to it, for sure. It came from this. But then also yeah. the death shots are, a, are really beautiful. The lighting in this is beautiful. The guy who made this would go on to do... A lot of great stuff. He would do Dances with Wolves. He would do Apocalypto with Bill Gibson in his own movie. He also would do Waterworld, Super Mario Bros. <laughs> <laughs> he laughed as he said it. He couldn't say it. I couldn't say it. Um, oh, he also he's also gone on to do a lot of the low budget Adam Sandler movies of late. He's he hasn't really gone. He's basically back Adam Sandler lately. But he's done some genuinely good stuff. But this, like, Road Warrior was the first big thing he got a chance to do. But this is the first real thing that he was, like, given an opportunity to run wild. Because Miller believed in everybody who made the movie. He just wasn't really into the movie himself. Except when it came to the action, which, you know, no characters had to talk. No characters had to do anything. He could be in the cars. He could be with the cameras. It was all it was all about momentum. And he could see the dailies by the end of the day and go in the next day and sharp, like sharpen it even more. So it was all clinical. And he really didn't have to think about anything uh, other than how efficiently he could make this silent section of the film work. How can he make this silent film in this movie work? Um and then everything else was kind of just left to the devices of the other George. And there are things about it that I like, and there are certainly things about the way it looks that I like. I like the music because I like the music of Lawrence of Arabia. Um, I think it's a huge step up from the last few uh, scores exponentially, even the sack stuff. And there's some moments, like when he comes upstairs and the, and the blind Asian man is playing saxophone. It's creepy and it's weird and I like it. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. There's the cowboy car. What the hell is that all about? <laughs> I totally want to know. Uh, you got the guy on stilts walking around Border Town. There's so many things that I just kind of want to figure out. Like this is where Fury Road would take it. Like you want like the guy with the face paint. Well, they would just do a lot of that all over Fury Road. Right, um, they're warbles. Yeah, um, there's a lot of odes to this movie, but like. 
a lot of the light, like the kids that take the hair when they're shaving off Max's hair in Fury Road, well, that came from this. There's a lot of things that that original George probably put into this that would later be, um, uh, I guess, paid due to by George himself in Fury Road. And there's some like, People said there's a lot of things you can point to about the first Mad Max that he took ideas from, but you can't take away the idea of Mad Max himself. They didn't take that idea from anybody. That's like a, it's a myth. It's like a warrior, a samurai in a world that's like where the weak are preyed on and he equalizes it. That their version of that is unique and interesting and it took two men to do it and it's proven that it took two men to do it really. The second one is just building off that idea more and with Joseph Campbell's help and, and better filmmaking and money. And the third movie, I think he just, things got a little bit weird. I think the eighties took hold of Miller a little bit and they just were sort of like, Oh, where can we take it? We were just running out of ideas for Max. And then Byron died and he just, his heart wasn't in it anymore. And he would go on to do different things. He wouldn't make action movies again anymore. He would mostly make family films. And you sort of step away from that world, that nihilism of it and the connection to it. And maybe he was the one who was excited about the idea of bringing kids into this world and making Max, uh, you know, have to deal with these kids. Having a moment where he's like that kid holds his own and then a shot later, he's giving the kid a piggyback ride. And you're like, oh, that's cute. Like, even though it, it just it is Max, but it's also maybe a little too cute. Um, it's yeah. hard to say. The tone is all over the place, which is why I think Road Warrior is perfect. It's perfect. And you look I at will, the, yeah, I will say, I will say that now that I've seen Thunderdome, and the more I think about, you know, I'm just gonna say it. I'm upping Road Warrior to A. Yeah. A minus. Ooh. The more I think, the the more I think about it, it's like, okay, now it's starting. Now it's starting. Now Road Warrior is starting to grab a hold of me. It took it a week. <laughs> Congratulations, sir. Sometimes it takes. Sometimes. Alex just shattered one of my neighbor's windows from his tree. <laughs> I'm mooning him now because that's my apology. <laughs> like an Ace Ventura. <laughs> my white button. There's a part of me that was thinking maybe you would watch this and love it because of how goofy and, goofy and stupid it is and how playful it is in a lot of weird ways. But um, it is wrong-headed. Like, I think the moment for me when I knew that this movie was going in the wrong direction, my uh-oh moment, was when he walked to Border Town and they said, you leave your weapons, and he's just like, chunk, 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 kink, every gun, like, everything, like, it just keeps going, and I'm like, what are we doing? Like, uh, doing? that actually, I actually got, when I was watching that, I was like, Gore Verbinski would do this in Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. Now I know where that's from. But, like, also, he could pull that off in that movie. You, that's not what Mad Max is, though. Right. It's never been that. I think Mad Max works best when he doesn't have much. You know what I'm saying? When he I starts out with... Yeah, yeah, go ahead. The, what I'm th saying is, like, if he starts out with 
like his sawed off shotgun and like one, maybe two shells. And the the clothes on his back, and that's it. Like, that works for me. That works for me more. But I can, some part of me could buy that he would have all those guns on him. Well, actually, a lot of those guns have a history to them. The gun that he pulls on the guy in the first place is the gun that um, the German guy would try to shoot him with on the road after they crushed his arm in the first movie, and then he blew him away with the son of shotgun. He took that guy's gun, and now he owns it. Um, he has uh, the wrist thing that came from Road Warrior that, the, that would shoot um, arrows out. He, ha- he put one of those on there, too. And then he has a sawed-off shotgun. A lot of those things came from the other movies. So Mad Max collected all these things. He had his car. He had these camels. He had this monkey. He had a life. And he was just wandering. He was just doing his thing. He had a beard. He was fine for a while. And then he made the dumb mistake of being, I can, I have skills. And then he pulls out guns. And it's like, dude, just like sell something. Sell your horn. Sell, sell something to get in there and get your, your your stuff back. Don't don't make a scene. Don't get involved in the politics of this place, man. Come on. Right. What are you doing? Like in the second movie, it makes sense. He could have benefited from it, but he couldn't have benefited from this until he met the woman who tried to almost kill him. And then it's like, I'll give you everything you need if you try to kill this guy for me. And he's like, Why? And she's like, I'm trying to keep civilization. He's like. But you just want me to murder this man so you could, you know, gain more power in your power struggle. How civilized is that? And it's the thing, like, he, the moment he walks into this town, it's very clear to him that, like, it's a shady place for shady people that's, like, meant to gobble the weak up. So uh, I, I like that. I do like that aspect of the, of the movie. Right off the bat, I was like, that's interesting. But then you see the wire work in Thunderdome and you're like, what are we doing here? Um, I was not expecting the bungee cords. Like, ah, my lord. Ah, great. Um, but then you see something like Master Blaster, and you're like, that's amazing. Like, I love it. I want more. That's amazing. That's so cute. Oh, God. And then, like, ah, oh, God. But then you see the wheel, and you're like, spin the wheel deal? Like, what are, you, what are we talking about here? Break the deal, spin the wheel. Oh, God. And then they send him to the gulag, and the gulag is beautiful. And then you have the but then you have ideas like the pig shit becoming fuel. Like that's amazing. <laughs> that's what um that's what um David Ar- that's what David Arquette and uh the other guy were hauling in uh, Ready to Rumble. Oh my god, dude. Ready to Rumble is a prequel to Mad Max. Right. Um, before the before um David Arquette became president of uh um Pakistan and uh decided to nuke um the United States. Uh, anyway, hashtag David Arquette doc looks good. Yes. Um, I will say though, like I'm starting to slowly come come around to the idea, like these are the legends of Mad Max. Yes. And they're told by different people each time, save for the first one. And Fury Road, because Fury Road is told by himself. No, at the very end of Fury Road, there's a quote, and the quote is said by the first history man. And if you go into the history of the film, they were originally going to have 
a history man tell that story. And then the the reason that he puts this hand on his head was because there's going to be an aboriginal man that he sees that does it. And it's supposed to say that the aboriginal man has been telling the story of Mad Max for centuries. And that this history man telling it after Mad Max is just their version of an aboriginal man doing the same thing. It's And he's watching the story and telling the story at the same time. And it was all supposed to make sense, but instead they changed it to a little girl and changed the prequel stuff. But at the end of Fury Road, there is a quote that says, where do we wander these men like us, um, the first history man? And that is meant to say that this was a story told by the first history man of that. Um, it's more subtle, but I think that's because they wanted to tell more stories that were going to connect these characters. And they didn't want to have a framework of someone being like, I'm going to tell you the story of Furiosa and then come back and be like, oh, you want to hear more about Furiosa, do you? Well, you got to have some of my cookies. Like, no, like, I think they wanted to be more subtle about it and then maybe end the trilogy with one whole story. But it is supposed to be in the framework of, yeah, this is a whole legend. This is being told by the people who were told by somebody else. So... The more I come around to that idea, the more I'm actually kind of accepting of this movie as a whole. Because, like, it's told from the perspective of the girl that Matt, that uh, Mad Max decks. Um, oh, a really dumb girl who really needs to see Bartertown to be like, yeah, no, he was right. They, they, uh, they, they do you think they finished off Sydney? Um, once they once they got there, at the end. Had, I mean, had lights and everything. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's the point of every movie. Like, there's a genuine society that is created, and he just plants the seed. Right. So what but I'm saying I, is, oh, sorry. You know, go ahead. I, I guess I'm missing something. What I'm saying is, like. I could buy, kind of, sort of, I could kind of buy as a legend, as another tale of Mad Max, the tonal, the tonal mess that it is. Because if it's a legend, then it doesn't really necessarily need to be told, like, the same way. Agreed. So, like, Mad Max was his, like, the first Mad Max was his origin. The second Mad Max was this gritty tale of when he helped um, this, uh, these people who were operating maybe one of the last oil refineries in the, in the world, this small little oil refinery. And then there's this story of when he went into a town, dumped a bunch of guns at a vendor, um, discovered, a, discovered that the town is runs on pig crap and then comes across these kids and he helps these kids out and then um like and then there's Fury Road as I could buy it as another entry into the lore that is Mad Max into the legend yeah. that is Mad Max as a as a movie it like no. <laughs> <laughs> um like 
the um, blunt and the the short answer as a movie with the tonal thing. That was like, am I still like watching Mad Max? But like thinking about it being told as a tale of the legend of Mad Max. I was like, I'm like, yeah, I can, I can, but I can, I can be, I'm okay with that. Like, this isn't, this is okay. Like, I'm not put off by that, but like objectively, like watching it as a movie, these tonal, like this, like the, the tone switch just came out of left field and honestly didn't fit with what was already established. If that makes sense. No, I agree. Um, I, uh, I, I, yes, because they, because by the point you get to this and when you get to this point in the series, it's easier to swallow the pill that there are legends of this man. Um, more than anything told from different perspectives of different storytellers that like the stylistic choices that are drastic changes, um, are, 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 you can take it, you can understand it. That's fine. But yes, as its own movie, it has a lot of problems. For me, it's nice to know what happened. It's nice to right. know that like they were kind of struggling for ideas in the first place, that his heart wasn't really even in it. It's nice to know that the other director involved wasn't really involved since day one. He, he had about the same amount of skills as Miller had from the start, maybe even more, it's hard to say. Um, but he, like he doesn't make terrible stuff in this. This isn't a terrible movie. It is not really Mad Max. If this wasn't Mad Max and it was just like him, just or just like Mel Gibson was in a movie that was also kind of like Mad Max but different. Um, yeah, like this stuff isn't terrible. I would probably say I'd watch this every now and then for fun. It would be a good as, as like a like production design and lighting and cinematography and music and like. The, the scope and scale of this is we like to think we went from Mad Max to this in, a right. movie, in, in with one movie in between, like the steps and the jumps are immense. And there, there are things that uh, that I am absolutely impressed by. But it's also very clear that the story is all over the place. It's also very clear that some ideas are not entirely thought through. And it's not entirely his vision, which is the interesting thing. It's not entirely the vision of two people from the start. Like, it always had been. The family had lost a family member and then asked to put on a show. It would be like the Muppets. There's a a Muppet special that was made that is for the funeral of of Jim Henson. And they do the Muppets behind the scenes at the Muppet show trying to put on a show. But Kermit's not there because their friend Jim has, has passed away. And they try to put on a show even though he's gone. And they put on a show even though he's gone. It's really great. Um, and I feel like George Miller did not want to do that. He just wasn't really up for it. And the only thing that he really had any passion for was the very primal, um, guttural, calculated things that they started with. The thing that, all, that he was always um, interested in. And it took a few other films and a lot of more precision and a lot more storytelling studying for him before it took um, somebody else to walk up to him and be like, Hey, I have a story for Fury Road. And he was like, let me hear it. And he's like this. And he's like, huh, I'll think about it. And then later he thought up the, like the continuous chase idea. And he was like, huh. And then he thought up this other idea and he's like, huh. 
And then he combined them all together and he made a genuinely compelling story around it because of all the years that he had been working on film since then. And Byron had been gone and he made peace with it. And it's a, it's in a holy, um, it's a incredibly crafted movie when you compare it to all these other ones, but especially this one. Yeah. It's nice to know what happened here at least. Um, and with that being said, if I were to watch these movies again, all in one day, Watching the world turn to from Road Warrior to this to Fury Road makes sense. Um, I like the fact that we get Tom Hardy in the fourth movie because I'm kind of, I mean, this Max is different now. Like he's talking more in this movie. He he's more of a human being. I feel like his story is done a little bit. Um, yeah. But then the whole point of Fury Road is that there's a story in between this movie and that movie and he lost somebody again grace apparently and he's he went back to being an animal and surviving because the world was getting worse and then we got fury road and he was coming back to being a person again so one more thing one little small thing okay is that the same the train man is that the same character from road warrior or is it different it's different that guy from road warrior went on and started a civilization of his own that threw me off i was like wait why is he back it's an ode to the um clint eastwood man with no name movies and and i guess in a way um kurosawa's yojimbo movies yep got it got it Okay, I was confused because he played different yeah. characters within the same universe. Yeah, but then he does it again with Toe Cutter and a Morton Joe. Uh, yeah, he did. He did do that. Um. Okay. Great. He, he started a trend after that. He was like, "I'm going to bring back my friends." Um. Grade. Zach, you want to go? Like a B minus. There's a lot of fun with this movie, and it just looks just unbelievable. Like, it, it really does just look great. And, you know, when you, when you think about I mean, you don't worry as much about the dumb shit that's in the movie in terms of plotline, the fact that it's basically just a ripoff of a bunch of movies. Um, it's a lot of fun, and there's a lot that can go off with that. And at the end of the day, I had a lot of fun. I'd say a B-. minus. Uh, is there anything else you want to add? We, ta- we talked a lot for a while. No, I mean, I kind of stated my thing. Like, I, it looks really pretty. It, it's a really, really, really good-looking movie. And I think in terms of look, it's almost identical to Fury Road. Honestly, th- there might even be times where I think it might be better, truthfully. Yeah, there's a lot of desert moments that I think are better looking in this than they are in Fury Road. Um, and I, I, I just can't get enough of the fact that, like, some of the names in this movie are just ridiculous. Like, Master Blaster. <laughs> mm. <laughs> can't, can't. Uh, I, I remember talking to Chris about this off-air, and I, th- I said I didn't know, but was pretty certain that there wasn't an unnuclear fallout, but it turns out, boom, there was. There was yeah, there was. was. It's like, boom, there so, it is, right there. The, the apocalypse or whatever they like the pox eclipse 
Toxic Lips. I love their TV tree talk. I'm watching it right now. And like, yes, I was wrong about that. Um, apparently there was. So again, the world building with each movie is like the thing that makes these movies. Like Bond has a world, but like to me, it's really more about like traveling to different places. The violence is different with each movie. Um, yeah. But it's most of the suits and the watches and the gadgets and like the villains and all that stuff. Bond never changes. It's the same thing here, I feel like, but the world is the thing that keeps getting elevated. What are the new things that are getting manipulated? How are people using different ideas to, um, com- you know, manipulate the weak in this continuously growing wasteland? So how, w- how did Max continue to help each and every one of these cities um, grow to be what they are in later years? So I, I am... It, I, I do love that more than anything else. So that does elevate a lot for me, the look of this movie. The, the, <clears throat> the, there is a lot of passion in it. But the other thing that really elevates at me is the train scene, the absolute Buster Keaton love machine. Yeah. I love that scene. It is, it, that action is everything that Fury Road is. I love the 15 minutes of Road Warrior, and there's a peak that it hits when the kid is trying to get the bullet off the front of the car. There's a, that is a beautiful symphony of action editing, and just, it's scary, it's it's suspenseful, and then it elevates, then just smashing into a car and killing everyone, and then the whole thing crashes. It's amazing. But this thing is perfect. Every cut matters. Everything is telling you everything you need to know. The stunts are amazing. This, it just it's you could just you could time your watch to it it's beautiful so that really elevates things for me too but there are tonal problems tina turner i i mean i guess she's like who cares if she's in it like yeah I, well, she, like, uh, she's not no. a great actor we haven't really thing. touched on tina turner because there's not much to go off of with her truthfully yeah i she plays it correctly. She's not terrible. Right. Her character is supposed to be like, I think right. she does it. Like, that's the proper word. Like, correct. Like, she, yeah. did, she did a correct job. Yeah. I, there's nothing. She doesn't go, like, when she says Raggedy Man, it's kind of funny. And when she jumps in the mm-hmm. dome and she's like, ah, what's wrong? Didn't you know the rules? And you're like, awesome. You're Tina Turner. She's about to start riffing. <laughs> like, the movie, she gets it right. She's like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to run a civilization, but also you're kind of ruthless about it, lady. And then later, um, when the, her henchman, her general, is going too far, she starts to notice it, and she keeps an eye on it. And she's like, uh, I, I, that's another reason why she lets Mad Max go at the end. The general's dead. The the what the like town is burned down. She can have a, a chance to rebuild it in maybe a better way. And you know she knows how to like make take shit into fuel probably, and she can work her own way out. But um, you know leaving him with his car in the middle of the desert in a wreck. He, he got what he he got what he asked for. He got his car back. He got his monkey back. Or maybe not. I don't so... know. Your grade, Alex. I have one more question for you before I grade. Actually. Okay. Did they go back and get the rest of the kids from that place by the plane? I'm guessing probably. I don't they think don't? so. Something tells me that's not. I don't think so. That, yeah, because they flew past Bartertown. That means they would have had to 
use that plane to fly over Bartertown to go pick up the kids and, do, and get them back, which is a total possibility. Other than that, they left the plane there and they just started the society with the group of people that they had because I believe the 16-year-old is pregnant. I think that's what they said. That's why she had a baby at the end. Um, I don't think so. I think they took the plane to go get them back, but also probably not. I, because I, I don't think I see any of those particular kids. Like I don't, I don't think you see the one main guy with the curly hair, but you do see a lot of kids there, and I. So that's that's my question. That would be my idea. Like, here's my back. thing. Here's my thing. I don't think they went back and got them. Okay. They didn't want to leave in the first place. And on top of that, um, the plane could only hold so much. They had to like cut loose a, a bunch of a bunch of crap. So to get like all that weight back in the amount of kids that they left behind would have been impossible unless. They went off and found Sydney. Then they went back and got those guys and brought them to Sydney. That's the only yeah. way I could see that happening. Yeah, like more than one flight. Once they figure out, they just keep going back and getting them one by one, giving them like getting them over there because that's a lot of life. Yeah. Um, sitting on there, it's a lot of kids sitting there. Otherwise, I don't think they went straight back to that canyon to get them back. I think they had they, they went to Sydney and then they settled and then they came back. I think they could have flown it because they certainly could have walked it. There's a nothing and there's Barter Town and they're all like on the run. Especially the plane guy. But that means he would have to fly around Barter Town to go to that oasis <laughs> the other kids. But you're right, they didn't want to leave. Um, okay, now I'm gonna say at the end of the day, with the two main things I mentioned before, I think I gave this is B minus. Yeah, Zach's right. I'm gonna say B minus. Um, all the things that are beautiful about a lot of those desert shots are Lawrence. They they took a, a big chunk of the story, the weakest part, from some other guy and didn't give many royalties to it. Um, George Miller wasn't into it. Um, and the guy that was shooting with him is just not up to par with him at that point. And the action scenes aren't great, but there's only two real ones that I really like. There's not a lot. The train one is, is really good, but it's not enough. It doesn't satisfy me the way the last one does. Um, but there are a lot of things I like. It's better than average. Train sequence was pretty cool. Uh, um, Just all practical did, cool stuff. They did take me by surprise because I did not. Did they establish that it was in fact a train? Yes. Um, I they're not. They, no one walks by it and they're like, "Hey, this is a train. We use this train to do this." But like, they do have an establishing shot when you go there that it's there. I must have missed it. Oh, I missed. I must have missed the train track then. I, I didn't like, notice it. Wait a minute. How is there I mean, a train track and how often is this used? 
So I was wondering why they used it on the track, but then it was still usable. But um, at the end of the day, it was the little guy who figured it out and had to do it. So whatever, and all his right. stuff happened to be there too. So I and that's a, that's actually a fun thing that I do like about the movie is how the little guy probably went there with the big guy, and then the town corrupted them with power, and then they formed a power struggle because she was worse. And then he got cocky because of it. And then as this friend was, you know, beaten up in front of him, and he said he apologizes, and I think he knew his pro- what he did wrong. And then his friend dies in front of him, and he he I think his arc is pretty fun. And to know that he goes to the city and teaches a bunch of kids, um, is pretty awesome. I like that. Yeah, Martin Scorsese is really good as a dwarf. Um... <laughs> So, like, for me, like I said, the, the visually this movie didn't grab me until really late. So, but I'm gonna bite the bullet and say C plus. Ooh, nice. Okay. Like when I, after the movie was over, I'm like C plus for sure. So Road Warrior A, Thunderdome C plus. Like just, I agree. No, I. Think why the I... Lost Boys? <laughs> and then the, I forgot the. Oh gosh, yeah, C plus. <laughs> oh, there are, there are, I mean, there are really fun moments, like when he sees. Like I want to be, I want to be nicer. Because it's because like George Miller wasn't in it for completely justifiable reasons, and like it was a new director who took chances and like, but like I can't within me I can't bring myself to get it over C plus. So, yeah. um, I mean, I think you have good reasons. I'm not going to really argue about it. I, I'm, I think the biggest reason why I want to go above average, and C for me is above average. Um, C plus is above average. Um, no, I'm sorry. C minus is above average. Anything above a C is above average. And I think the reason that I would decide it or not is the rewatchability of it. Would I rewatch this one? Um, and be happy about it the next time I return to this. How would I do it? Would I do it all in a day the way I would Back to the Future or Lord of the Rings or maybe some Marvel movies? Uh, or would I do this once a week like we've been doing these? Like I, I'm still asking myself that question about Indiana Jones. How would I separate those movies from me from now on? Um, and I think when you take some time between this and Road Warrior, it, it's fine. But you gotta watch it at the right time of day or in the right season. That's my I thing. Prob- yeah, I probably would enjoy. This is a good like um, summer movie to me because of the desert. I would like to watch this paired with Lawrence of Arabia. Like, if I started with this um, at the beginning of the day, like I I woke up to this and just kind of had a lot of like uh, stupid like stupid things going around, like not paying attention to the story, like not paying attention to the underdome stuff, but. Like when the car chase happens, like then I'm or I'm ready for it. 
but then Lawrence would get me through the day. That's the thing that I would watch for the four hours that would prepare me. And this would get me ready for that. Those are summer movies. And I do think, I do like the fact that this at least sticks to that gun because the best of the summer movies of all of them um, is absolutely Fury Road. Yeah, like, I remember uh, last episode you were like, Road Warrior was like a good, like, Saturday afternoon doing nothing movie that you would like pop on and you would enjoy. That's how I feel about Th- Beyond Thunderdome. Like, I'd come home after church and it's on, it's like the middle of the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And I like, I could watch that in the background or something like that. Agreed. I feel like if I gave my attention to it, like at that time, I'd be like, probably just fall asleep to it honestly <laughs> before the train scene um yeah you know you, yeah i mean if you woke up to mad max in bed and you really didn't have to think about it and you just kind of got into the mindset of it and then you were like getting dressed and do, like doing things and like sitting on the couch for road warrior and like really starting to wake up then you could like do stuff and put this on in the background and then you genuinely sit down and pay attention to fury road Right. So, speaking of Fury Road, that is next week. It's next episode. Yes. The reason why I was excited we got this on the wheel. Hmm. Mad Max Fury Road. Mom. So you're, are you going to try and go see it at the theater again, or are you just going to watch it? It's now? not in the theater anymore, I don't think. So I could look, I can look again real quick, but like I don't, I don't think I saw it there. Um, yeah, it's not there. It's definitely not there. Dang. Um. Yeah, so I'm gonna um, all the Rocky movies are playing now. Anyway, um, no, too early. You got to do that stuff in November. What are they doing? I'm wait till like November. Yeah, they got to wait till November to play those. That's the right Rocky time. starts on Thanksgiving and then they turn into like winter movies and then yeah, dude, wrong call. Start in September, November. What are you doing? Anyway, um. Fury Road. I'm excited. I'm going to go Chrome and Normal. I'm going to see Chrome for the first time. What about you, Zach? I own it, and I actually have access to both in the copy I own, so I'm probably going to watch it. I'm Well, I'm probably not going to to watch it twice, so probably I'm just going to watch it in regular, but if I get a chance to watch it a second time, I'll definitely be watching it in Chrome. I'm probably just going to turn the color on my TV off and watch it that way. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> that's the cheaper option. Um, that's what a, that's what a dad would say. He's like, "Why don't I just turn the color off the TV? Boom, black and chrome. Let's go." So I've been actually thinking about this. I don't know if you guys are. I don't know if this is a cliff you have to talk me off of, but like, I've been like, I've been like doing some soul searching about that. It's like for me. I don't think I want to see it in black and chrome. 
Why? Why? The reason is because the thing that I really like, one of the one of the uh, the nitty gritty little things that I like about Mad Max Fury Road is its color saturation. Like I just I don't know why I just it's just for me it's just aesthetically oh, no, it's pleasing. It's like to me it's just beautiful, and oh. it make that's the thing that makes me that glues me to the screen. And like I don't think it's because like I'm young or too young for black and white which i think i think we can establish that i'm not against black and white it's just that with bad max fury road for me i enjoy it more on regular so i think i'm just gonna watch it on regular well here's the thing that i would say to make an argument for it okay um, a George Miller originally wanted to do a version of it in black and white. And B, he actually did make this version to be enhanced in black and white. He colored it in, like, he made he made it specific. It's it, like, I could turn my TV black and white, but it's not what he wanted. He made certain depths of field different. Like, that's the way it is. And, and I don't think it's because you don't like black and white. It's just the more black and white you watch, the more you get used to it, the more you appreciate it. Like... The more black and white I watch, the more I appreciate Schindler's List beyond belief. The more black and white I watch, the more I appreciate uh, different um, takes from different uh, decades. Like, 60s black and white is so beautiful and crisp. And, and like, Psycho is so great. Strangers on a Train is so great. Um, Roman Holiday is beautiful. Uh, oh, God, The Apartment. Any Like, Billy Wilder black and white in the 60s is amazing. Um and and so it's just the more black and white you watch, the more you understand why it can be beautiful in the first place, really. But also some people, it's not their thing. But it's the fact that they've actually made it so that it's supposed to look that way. And that was also an idea that was seeded from its originality to begin with that makes me interested. And also, it's just another way to watch one of my favorite movies. Yes, the color saturation is beautiful. It's amazing. It's one of the most striking images of it. But there's also so many other things that are great about it. There's like the editing and the pace, like uh, like the night shots. The night shots are the thing that are the most striking to me in the black and white version. It's so creepy. It's so eerie. It's beautiful when you see those people on stilts walking. Just like, just check out the trailer is all I suggest. Um, and you don't necessarily have to watch it, but that would be my argument, like, they made it to look that way, and it was also something they were always interested in. And I think the trailer is the best argument after you understand that. With that said, um, I've just grown to be a fan of more black and white. I I got into black and white films from like the 30s and 40s when like they were there were other things that interested me about them. As I've watched more and more, I've begun to realize why I love it. And what like I started with Night of the Hunter and stuff like that because they're the most striking black and white films. As I've gotten deeper, I'm like, wow, I've, I've, I'm enjoying a lot more for its subtleties. And I'm, that's why I'm watching it for me, is the subtleties for sure. But most importantly, it's just another way to watch my favorite film. One of my favorite films. Why not? It's just another way. All right, I'll give it a shot. I'll do Chrome and I'll do regular. Just the trailer. I'm just saying. I just, just watched the trailer, and I'm. I'll, oh wow! I'll give it a shot. Yeah, I'm for sure gonna do it. Um, 
just because yeah, it's a different. And I didn't do it for Logan. I always wanted to do it for Logan too. That one looks really like it'd be good in black and white. It is. It's so much better in black and white than it is in color. I've seen. I've seen enough to be like, ooh, like he made it so it could be both for sure. I don't know if that's necessarily the case for Mad Max. I think it's totally made to be as colorful as possible. But to know that he went back and like made a black and white edit and color saturated it that way uh, intrigues me. Mostly for the black, just for the night shots alone. Those look eerie as hell. Either way, one of my favorite films. It's a close second to The Dark Knight. Every time I watch it, it creeps ever closer. It's beautiful. I'm so happy when it came out. It's it's one of the many movies that has never let me down. From the moment I saw an, an ounce of footage to now. Can you wait footage? Digital footage? Alright, boys. Alright, let's get out of here. So next and just so you guys know, we are spinning the curiosity wheel next week. Uh, oh boy. Alright. <laughs> we're spinning the curiosity wheel next week because we're ending on a good movie, so we gotta spin the we gotta redo the cycle. Anyway, since Zach really wants to kick me off my own show. <laughs> say goodbye, guys. Good night. Bye. Bye. I mean bye. Hashtag I bought my ticket to Tenet. Hey. Uh,